We're in week two of our series, All I Need. And I started last week by saying, if you're just joining us, uh, I started by saying, uh, was there a song that you've gotten stuck in your head that you just couldn't get out? And all week, I was seeing people from the church in different places, Starbucks, Walmart, the pool store, like it was amazing. People telling me and sharing with me their own songs that have gotten stuck in their head. And so I just want to say thank you to those uh, guys and girls. I've been singing, I've got the power all week long because that was one of theirs that was uh, stuck in their brain. Um, I don't want to get a song stuck in your head today, but I do want to unpack a song, one of the greatest songs ever written. I don't want it to get stuck in your head. I want it to get I want it to get seared into your heart, that it would be a song that, that um, bubbles up and bursts forth in the middle of good days and in the middle of dark days, when things are going well, when things have gotten off track, when you don't know a decision to make or the children uh, aren't following in the footsteps you wish they would follow, that this is a soundtrack to victory. This is a song that is sung over babies. It is prayed over the dying. It is placked on walls in homes. It's scratched into prison walls. Uh, we're talking about this soundtrack called Psalm 23. King David writing the psalm, the 23rd psalm. I want us to take a familiar place and draw fresh water from it. You know, familiarity breeds invisibility. And when you become familiar with something, you know, an old way of life, an old way of thinking, uh, words that just come out of your mouth normally and naturally and you're just so familiar, you can be invisible. Those words can be invisible to you. And I'm inviting us to take a step that Jesus would, would speak fresh things from a very familiar passage because Jesus is always speaking. He's always giving us new truth. Same truth, but he's always, he's always revealing himself in fresh Ways And so at all locations, we're going to say this out loud together. If you've not memorized it, it's our goal as a church that we would, we would memorize Psalm 23. Six verses. Six verses. And, and, you know, a lot of people, they got the first five or six words down. But then, you know, around verse three, they kind of, watermelon, whatever. You know, they kind of get lost. We're going to memorize it because I believe, like I said, it's a soundtrack to victory in your life. Here we go. Everybody say it out loud with me. Let's go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, can you give it up for one of the most beautiful songs? God's word spoken to you. A stability in life, a tranquility in life. Father, for the next few moments we have, speak deeply to us. May we hear what the Spirit of the Lord is calling his bride to become, his bride to be. 
his, pride, his bride to lay down and his bride what we need to pick up. Speak so clearly that by the time we're done today, we will say one to another, today I've heard from God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This whole passage starts off with the very first scripture giving us who he is. Understanding who he is will really help define who you are. And the scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what we receive, as we talked about last week, I invite you, I was talking with a friend of mine before service who said, I was in two services serving, and then I listened to it again a third time on Monday because there were just some nuggets there that I needed to draw from and really helped me. And I encourage you, if, if you didn't hear week one, uh, you really need to, to, after today, back up and watch the prequel. Uh, it'll, it'll help you because if you don't get the first part of the Lord being your shepherd right, you really can't understand the rest of the scripture. In this, we get identity. The Lord's my shepherd. It means I'm a sheep. Ownership. He owns the sheep. I'm doubly owned. Not only was I made by him, but then I was bought by him. There's double ownership. And I shall not want. There means there's a contentment that comes with knowing Christ. And many of us try to find contentment with just that one more job, that one better accomplishment, that other thing around that other notch on our belt and contentment is is a moving target unless you know Jesus is your shepherd and he's all you will ever really need some people they don't have what they want and some people they have more than they want they have something they wish they didn't have but when you trust Jesus you will always have what you need who he is is critical and then the rest the rest of the 112 words 117 total, the first five tell us who God is. The other 112 really begin to break down what he does. In order to know what he does, you need to know who he is. And today, we're going to drill down. We're going we're to drill deep. Uh, in fact, uh, my, my Bible professor was, used to say it like this, yard by yard, everything's hard. He was from North Carolina. Yard by yard, Jeremiah, everything's hard, inch by inch. Everything's a cinch. So we're going to take this scripture inch by inch by inch. I love it. Dr. Golden, shout out to you. Here we go. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. There are some truths here. There are some action steps that he does and some action steps that we do. It's a partnership, a divine partnership of who he is and what he does and how he leads us to respond to his divine word. So I want to give you just a few, five different ways we respond to him as the good shepherd that leads us and makes us lie down. The first one is this, write it down in your notes. I need to rest well. I need to rest well. Sheep need their sleep. You are sheep and you need your sleep. You will not be your best unless you get your rest. Huh. You will not be your best unless you get your rest. Ha ha. Okay. Sheep need to have time to rest. You know why? Because they won't get the nourishment for the rest of the journey unless they slow down, stop, eat, and rest. And part of the rest is huge on eating because sheep have four different stomachs. And when they eat the grass, they chew up the grass and then they swallow it. And after a while, they... After a, 
After, after a while, what they do is they puke up, they puke up their lunch and they chew it again. It's like, oh, mm, Olive Garden. Like, and they chew it over and over so it can kind of digest through the different... They, they need to get all the enzymes and every single ounce of those Flintstone vitamins out of those, that grass. And they only can do it, not if they're running around, not if they're doing their thing over here. They've got to have time to rest. So, so my question for us is sheep, because we're all like sheep and we go astray. And we are sheep. We're never mentioned in Psalm 23, but we know we're sheep because he's the shepherd. My question for you today, when it comes to needing rest and finding rest and really getting the rest you need, how's that going for you? How's that, how, how's that going for you? All right. The truth is, when I preach, I have never preached a single sermon from perfection. There's only one perfect, and that's Jesus. Um, now, I will preach sermons of, of things that maybe I'm, I'm, I'm doing better than I used to be, but this is one of those sermons where I, I write it through my own frustrations, my own inadequacies, my own, um, like, Jeremy, why aren't you following the shepherd on this? And so, so we're, we're, we're learning together as we go today. How's that going for you? The truth is, when you don't get your sleep, when you don't get your rest, you are exponentially a higher candidate for obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, strokes, mental distress, heart disease, early death. Some of you, like, I described your aunt, and I'm describing you in a few years. Like, that's not a list you want to be checking off. That's not a bucket list. You will kick the bucket, though, if you follow that list. Not a great list. Just go. In fact, we should probably just stop the sermon and just everybody go to bed. Just like play some Kenny G and let's all just rest for a little bit. We need some rest. We need, we, we need, we need rest. The, here's, the, here's just the new stats just out. The average person in America spends 10 hours a day screen activity. 10 hours a day looking at a screen. That's 70 hours a week out of the 168 hours you have. It's up one hour from 2017. Do you see how exponentially this is, is growing? And you know, hey, we take the word of God seriously, train up a child in the way they should go, and at the end they will not depart from them. So like at one year old, we're training our kids to be consumed by the screen. Now, this is not a technology sermon where, you know, hey, we're going to talk about how bad and how demonic technology. That's no, it's not. In fact, technology is a beautiful thing. We couldn't be in multiple locations without leveraging the technology of today. I mean, Agadocious and Diabolo Duggan, you're watching a screen right now. I'm glad that out of those 10 hours today, some of them will be football and a little bit of them is watching a screen. In fact, if you're here live, look, the truth is I look at you all the time and 80% of you aren't even looking at me anyway. You're looking at the screen. You're not even looking at me right here. And I'm live. So Nagadochus, like you're not a, like a, a stepchild because you're video venue. I promise you. Everybody's watching the screen. I'm better looking on the screen. It's truth. My wife likes to talk to me through FaceTime now. That's it. She's like, hmm. Anyway. We need our rest. Back in 1910, we averaged over 10 hours of sleep a night. But, of course, in 1910, you didn't have iPhones, and you hadn't, didn't have late-night baseball games. You know, you, you, you had to walk around with a candle, and that's like, you know, I just, I'm just going to go to bed. And you worked crazy 
agriculturally, manufacturing, I mean, you name it, in 1910, wasn't a whole lot of, you know, cubicle time, okay? There was a lot of hard work, which required a lot of hard rest. But look at the Jewish culture. Do you know that the Jewish culture, they determine their days by sunset? Sunset is the beginning of a new day. So here's how the Jewish culture does it. The very first thing you do is you rest. Because a brand new day starts at sunset, the very first thing you do is you trust God and you sleep on it. How many of us, one of the first things we do, instead of trying to figure it out, instead of getting the last word in edgewise, how many of us probably ought to just, like, you know, sleep on it? Unless the Bible says differently, because there's times where he says, don't let the anger go down. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Like there, are, there are times he specifically says, don't sleep on this, do something about it. But on other things, I wonder if we were just to pause and reflect and put it off of our shoulders. And, and, and because God has said, I'm your shepherd. I'll give you everything you need. And we really trust him for that. Here's what scripture is. Wisest man, God says, wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, Ecclesiastes 10. Using a dull axe requires great strength. You didn't sharpen the axe. You're trying to chop down that cherry tree. Oh, and I mean, you get worn out. I can't stop and sharpen it. I got to get this done today. Oh, I'll rest when I'm dead. Yeah, and it's going to come quicker than you think. I don't got time to do that. I don't have time. I mean, I'm too, I'm just way too busy. Like we wear busy like, like a, a merit badge you earn. Don't, don't be proud of being too busy. Don't be proud of that. That doesn't mean you're, you're just a hard worker. It actually means you're running out of balance. If you're bragging about how full your plate is, it's time to start evaluating all that you're doing. And here's the deal. When we're so busy and we're trying to chop and we don't rest, well, here's what happens. you got to sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. It's wise to rest. It's wise to rest. Do you you know, though, one of the chief culprits that steal your rest? It's true. It's for all of us. You know, it's it's worry. A lot of people don't get the rest they need because they worry about all kinds of things. In fact, write it down. Worry is a thief of rest. It will just, it is a great tactic of the enemy to get you to just worry about everything. That's why the Apostle Paul says, don't worry, pray. Some of you are going to say, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, that's what Paul said. No, that was, a, that was an old song. <laughs> don't worry, pray about it. Um, worry is a thief of rest. Here, here's some things about worry. Just, just jot some of these down. I think this will help you. Worry is unreasonable. Worry is so, it doesn't, like, you, you have to reason with. Most people worry about stuff today that will not matter next week. About what you're wearing about what that person said that really you won't even remember what they said. They won't remember what they said. You will move on with life the way that was that attitude or this thing or you missed this or you were a few minutes late or you forgot this or you didn't have it done. Like most things we worry about will not matter seven days from now. And it's unreasonable for you to stress and fret over things that don't really matter. Worry is unnecessary it's unnecessary. You, don't, you shouldn't even have to do it. In fact, worry's unnecessary. The more you know he's the shepherd and he's a good shepherd, the less the sheep have to chew and eat and look and wonder and worry. 
The more the shepherd's in charge, oh, he's got my back. He's, he, he, knows, he knows what I need. He's, he's my, my protector, my provider. He's, he, he's, he's my lead. He's my guide. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 6. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. Yeah. Worry is unnecessary when you figure out the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Let me tell you another thing about worry. It's unhelpful. I mean, you can squint your eyes. You can bite your lip. You can spend a lot of time worrying, and it will not take you anywhere you want to go. Worry won't work. Say it with me, everybody. Worry won't work. One more time. Worry won't work. It cannot make you taller. It cannot make you shorter. It cannot change your past. It, cannot, it can control your future. It will ruin your present. It doesn't move you closer to a solution. The only thing worry really changes is you and not in a positive way. It is unhelpful. Stop worrying. Worry is unbelief. It's like, it's like atheism that you're practicing. You're basically saying there is no God when all you do is worry. Like there's no God. I'm going to be God because I'm thinking if I stress out about it and I worry about it and I stay up thinking about it that something's going to change it. No, 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 no. Get, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Part of saying no to worry is saying yes to him as your shepherd. Matthew 6 says it like this. After he says the wildflowers you can't even see, like I take care of them, how much more will I take care of you? He says people who don't know God, people who don't know God and the way he works, they worry over these things. You really don't know God the way you need to know him if you're consumed with worry. You really don't know what he does and how he provides if you're worrying. So you got to rest. Rest in this. He is good. His eyes are on you and his eyes are on the field and he knows what's coming. He knows what's in verse 4 and 5 and 6. He knows what's going to happen. He knows there's going to be times that they're going to come that are not going to be still waters and they're not going to be green pastures. But I got it. Trust me. Rest. Rest. Number two, I need to eat well. Oh, praise God. Let's just back that one up. I need to eat well. I need, to, I love good food. I love to eat well. Been on a journey of weight loss. The Lord has uh, been good to me, and, and, and so is my doctor, and uh, I've lost a gram and a half. Now, gram is not a weight. A gram is my son. My, my son's name is Graham, and I've lost a gram and a half. And part of, part of my journey, um, you know, people get a little funny about this and they don't want to share this. It's really personal and you can feel guilt over it. I had weight loss surgery. That was part of it. How'd you lose all that weight? I had weight loss surgery. That was part of it. And it's not like a quick fix, like a thick snip, 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 snap, and, and snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about it. And, and, and then everything perfect. Like it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a journey. Uh, that was part of it. Um, but, but then portion control and eating the right things and saying no to the right things, that's been all a part of the, the journey. And now, if I don't eat well, I will not have the right nutrients I need. 
And so I've, I've got to have, the, I've got to be eating well or I'm going to be um, malnourished. Sheeps, their mattress is their food. Could you imagine? Is this not amazing? Sheep get to lay down in what they eat, like it's their bed and it's their food. Could you imagine a bed made of bacon? Like, praise God, you just lay down. Ah, bless God for bacon mattress. Just a blanket made of waffles. Like, I mean, wouldn't that be great? Like, I'm tired. Just chew on it. Whatever you're laying down, like you, you get a rest and you get to eat. It, it's a beautiful thing. The prophet Jeremiah said this about the words of God. About the words of God, he said, when I received your words, I, I chewed them. I ate them up. Him eating well, the word, it led him to a great conclusion because this scripture goes on to say, your words, they filled me with joy. If you feel hurt and you're, you feel lonely, you feel isolated, you feel in a dark place... I want you to know it's not about just being happy, but the Lord can fill you with joy. The more you eat his words, they fill me with joy. My heart took delight in them. And Jeremiah goes on. It's almost like he exclaims it, like he shouts it, like, Lord God who rules over all, I belong to you. Look what eating his word did. Eating his word reminded him who God was and whose he was, your identity, your ownership, and your contentment, because he was eating the word of God. So, are you taking in the right fuel? The things you're consuming, are they the good things? Are they good food? Is what you're binging on, would you, would it, would you be embarrassed of what you're binging on? Um, again, this is a sermon I'm preaching to myself in the mirror along with everybody today. I need to eat well. Number three, I need to drink well. I need to drink well. Not only do we eat, but we drink. There's a reason why they're led beside the still waters to enjoy this, 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 this still water, this, this moving but still like it's, 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 a, it's a sweet thing. Do you know that a third of the world's population, a third of the world's population do not have access to clean drinking water? That the majority of diseases could be prevented in many people groups have they just been able to have access to clean water. It's something we're part of our initiatives here. We want to not just give clean water. Our, our, our goal is to provide wells that are, that are attached to churches because we want to provide water and the good news. We want to provide water and the gospel. And so in the coming months, you'll hear more about how we're, we're launching into those initiatives. Next week, we're talking about Project Rescue and how to rescue women and their children uh, from a, a, a life of sex trafficking. Um, we'll talk about what we're doing as a church and how you can be a part of, of that. But we're also, we need to be drinking well, providing clean water. But here's, that's a tragedy, isn't it? That a third of the world, with all the technology we have, that they don't have clean water. But you know what's even worse? Can I just tell you something worse? It's, it's not worse, it's embarrassing. 75% of Americans don't drink enough water. We have access to all the clean water we need. And 75% of Americans do not drink enough water every day. Now that is... That is terrible, that we would have access to it and yet not drink of it. Hunger pains, you know, that when you have a hunger pain, you, you, you actually are not really hungry to begin with. Usually a hunger pain really is your body saying you're thirsty. 
It's not until you feel thirsty that you're already 1% to 2% dehydrated. So when you feel hungry, one of the best things you could do is drink some water instead of a zebra cake. Now, I like the zebra cakes, everybody. But, but the, best, the better thing is grab some Aquafina, not some Little Debbie, okay? Um, sheep, though, here's the problem with sheep. We have access to clean drinking water, but do you know that sheep, they just jump all around and they will drink polluted water wherever it is. They will drink polluted water. The shepherd has to keep them from drinking the polluted water, so he needs to lead them beside still waters. He needs to, needs to gather them around, where avoid the polluted water, and, and make sure that they're drinking the good water. Jeremiah, we go back to the prophet Jeremiah, and here's what he said. He said, my people have done two evil things. He's speaking on behalf of God as one of the prophets. My people have done two evil things. What do you think those two evil things are? Oh, probably cussing and doing something bad. No, the two evil things that, that the people were doing were this. This is interesting that these were the two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. That's one of the evil things. So, so can I say something to you? Don't start counting someone else's sin when you and I have done evil things like abandoning living water, the fountain of living water for polluted water that we think will satisfy, but you will always be thirsty from those wells. That's the first thing. They abandoned living water. But what's worse is they have dug for themselves, tried to do it in their own way, what seemed right to me. I did it my way. They've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So you spend all this effort trying to drink from wells that you've dug and they're, they're, dug and they're cracked, so they're not going to really hold anything. They're not going to provide what you need when you need it. But guess what? The Lord is my shepherd. He provides everything I need. You know, there's this moment where Jesus in the New Testament, um, it's in John chapter 7, and the, 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 the area of Judea is mad with Jesus. They, they're not agreeing with him. They're not following him. It is a, it's a nasty thing. They want to kill him. They want to kill him. His own family, his own family doesn't think he is who he says he is. It's very clear in the very first verses. His own brothers say, Hey, why don't you go down into Judea and do some miracles? I'm sure they'll love you there, <laughs> sport. No, he's, they're basically saying, why don't you, you know, if you are really who you say you are, then why don't you go into the lion's den? And the reason he needed to go to the lion's den is because there was a festival happening. And if Jesus was going to be perfect, if he was going to be the Messiah, the anointed one, he had to be sinless and he had to fulfill every single law so you don't have to run yourself ragged, um, twiddling your thumbs, biting your bottom lip, thinking you have to fulfill all the laws. I mean, if you want to be Jewish, yeah. But if you actually want to follow Jesus, you don't have to fulfill all those laws. Jesus fulfilled those. You can rest in him. So Jesus goes into the mouth of the lion, into Judea, and he's incognito for a while, but then he, gets, he, he goes and he starts teaching in the synagogues. Now, here's what's happening in the festival that's going on. It's called Festival of Tents. 
or Festival of Tabernacles, Festival of Shelters. And it's a seven-day holiday that the Jewish people had to follow or they were encouraged to follow in the Bible because it was reminding them, celebrating that even though they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and they had temporary shelters, temporary tents, that God was preparing a place for them, the promised land that was going to be the, the final place that they could have. And, and they, they didn't have to stay in tents for the rest of their lives. And in this festival, there are three things they do every single day to, to commemorate it. You know, uh, when we celebrate Christmas, a lot of times we'll commemorate that by um, telling the Christmas story, opening presents, setting up a tree. There's different ways we remember Christmas, okay? Uh, they do it this way. There's three things. The first thing is every morning during those seven days, they'll get up, they'll face their back towards the east and face the west. The sun is rising and they'll say, God, we trust you to be our source. We're not going to look to the sun, God. We're going to look to you as our light, as you as our path, as you the one that brings life to everything. Then at night, they light large candles, menorahs, and representing the, the fire by night that guided the, the Israelites through the wilderness. And they talk about how you are the light in dark places. And the third thing they do during that festival is they, they uh, have a priest that has a golden jar of water. The priest will walk all the way down to the Jordan River... And with some pomp and circumstance, have people follow them and trumpets and bass and boom, priest. And uh, they get to water and they walk back and there's two, there's two vessels on the altar. One they pour wine into as an offering to the Lord. And then they pour in the other vessel the water. And they take the water from that vessel and they pour it over the offering and they ask God, God, provide rain for our crops, provide what we need to survive, make, make, make it rain, basically. And rain was such a huge commodity back then, we just throw on the tap, but they, people died if it didn't rain. And so every single day for seven days they would do this. And then on the seventh day, the priest wouldn't do that vessel thing, the pouring of the water one time, would actually do it seven different times. And on the final one, they would march around the altar seven times like marching around the city of Jericho. And finally at the very end when they'd pour, it was the very last part of that ceremony, they'd pour the water over the, uh, over the altar. That high priest would yell out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Which, if you've ever sang a song with the word Hosanna, you're simply saying in a different language, save me. Save me. That's what they were saying. Save me. Hosanna. And so look at this scripture in John 7. On the last day, the climax of the festival. This is the moment. The high priest in all the robes is pouring the water saying, save me. Hosanna. Hosanna to the highest, like there, save me, God, be the water. Here's what Jesus, look at this. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. And he didn't just shout something arbitrary. He shouts, anyone who is thirsty, may he come to me. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart the moment they're asking God to pour out the water Jesus steps up and says I'll be your water I'll be what you need drink from me living water will flow from my heart and your heart so that when other people are thirsty you can give them a drink in his name people are hungry you can give them food in his name other people are are in prison and 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 and, and, and don't feel alone you can go and visit them we can 
be the hands and feet of Jesus. But you and I, in order to do that, we got to rest, we got to eat, we got to drink. Number four, I got to know I'm being well prepared. If you happen to see me at a gas station, at a Polk's Pick It Up or a Love's, if I'm at a Love's, I'm getting some Arby's, everybody. If I'm at a Polk's Pick It Up and I got my, my, I've got the gas in the tank and it's, and it's, it's on autopilot and the trunk is open and I start walking out of the gas station and I got two large uh, bags of ice and my kids are following me and they've got cans of cola and we're all walking and I'm throwing that ice on the ground and I'm throwing it in a cooler inside my trunk and then I put the trunk down, the kids get in the car, I pop open my hood and I pull the dipstick out and I look at the dipstick. First of all, if you ever see me doing that, no. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just trying to look cool. Uh, I, I just let the guys read the sticker and do what I need to do, okay? I know I just handed in my man card for some of you. Is I don't, whatever. So I pull out, you know, if you're watching me, what's going through? What, what, are, you, what are you thinking about? What, what, what's happening to me? What am I doing? I'm going somewhere. I'm going on a trip. I'm going on a trip. I'm going somewhere that's going to require some cool beverages. I'm going, I'm going a long enough distance that I may, I may need to look at the vital signs of my vehicle. Can you see this? A wise sheep pays attention to the shepherd's activity. The shepherd is preparing them. The shepherd is making them lie down right now. But the lamb is going, I don't need grass right now. I need to play and to jump and to frolic. You say, no, you need to lay down. You need a drink. I'm not really thirsty right now. When you're thirsty, it'll be too late. I need you to drink because when you're thirsty and we're going through a dark place, water's not going to be available and you're going to get scared. In the arid climate of Israel, you never, you, you never knew when it would rain next. You, you didn't know how long it would go until you had good food. It's so important to eat and drink well if the sheep could jump out of verse 2 and over into verse 4 and 5, they would find that it's not going to be green pastures very long. There are some valleys of shadows. There are some enemies around us. And so can I say something to you? The time for you to get into church is right now. The time to be surrounded by people that are like-minded is right now. Not when the going gets tough. You're already spiritually dehydrated. Like people think they use Jesus as the get-out-of-jail card. When things get tough, I start praying. Like, like last night, some of you are in church tonight. You're in church today because you were praying last night in the middle of the ninth inning as the Astros were playing the Yankees. You were praying, God, if you will just let somebody hit a home run, I will get back in church. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. What, what a game. A wise sheep looks at the activity of the shepherd. You, you, look, there will be difficult days ahead. And the truth is, the shepherd, he doesn't just know our current needs. He knows our coming needs. And so he needs you to lie down. In green pastures, while green pastures are available. One of the most common things people on their deathbed say, I wish I would have spent my time doing this instead of this. Before it's too late, get the right focus. Number five, my rest and my replenishment 
must be made possible. Must be made possible. Do you know people don't like to be made to do just about anything? They don't like to be made to do anything. Certain parking spots in our, in our uh, parking lots. You, I, I'm going to park where I want to park, bless God. I know I'm not a guest, but I'm going to park. I'm a VIP every day. <laughs> people that park in handicapped parking that aren't handicapped. What? You can't make me. You can't tell me what to do. Man, I bless God's spirit. A slap comes all over me. <laughs> Kids, you can't make me. You can't make me do that. Uh-uh. You can't make me. Out of all the things people think God wants to make them do, he wants to make them lose out on enjoyable life, wants to make them have to give up all their fun, wants to make them suffer through life because this is how I feel my life should be, but God's word says it should be this way and he's making me do this and I don't want to be made to do that. I don't want to do that. Try and make me. Out of all the things he wants to make you do, do you know what he wants to make you do? He wants to make you lie down in green pastures. Out of all the things he could make you do. But you are sheep. And I am sheep. And sheep are stubborn. You ever tried? I mean, let's just stop. Most of you don't have sheep to raise. But you, maybe some of you got some dogs. You ever try to make, get a dog to sit down as you're taking a bath? Like, they like their stiff, quine, you know, their back, their back quarters, hind quarters are stuck. And like, you're trying to push that. I mean, that little 12-pound dog's got like Hercules muscles. Get down, Fluffy, <laughs> you know? It's like, try to make me. But that's what we do. God wants us to rest and eat and drink and be prepared. And we're like, oh, I'm going to just fight him because this is the way I want to do it. So here's what he does. He's not going to fight you. He's not going to fight you. What he does is he, he makes it possible for you to lie down. He's not going to force you to lie down. But he makes it possible. See, do you know how sheep eventually lie down? You know, you know what they, you know how they lie down? When they're free from hunger, he says, I'm the bread of life. When they're not frightened, so they know that he's with me. When they're free from bugs, bugs have a way. In fact, there's a nose fly that we'll talk about. In a few weeks, when he anoints my head with oil, there's a purpose for that. It's, it's not just like some glory thing that you saw in some service. It's anoints my head with oil. It, it, it keeps the sheep from the nose flies that can actually attack them and they can die from those bugs. And so he puts them in the right place free. He wants to free you from the stuff that could kill you. He wants to free you. And you know what else? When they're dealing with friction in the flock, oh yeah, and usually it's 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 surrounding, you know, fighting over a girl. <laughs> that's what that's what it's about. And if there's friction in the flock, they will not rest. They will not lay down. And do you know what? You know you know this old wives' tale is a very well traveled uh, story that if you count sheep at night, you'll rest well. Oxford University does study on that. It's absolutely untrue. In fact, you fall asleep. Uh, uh, much slower when you count sheep because you're counting them as though they're like jumping over the, you know, you've seen it, the cobblestone deal. One. 
I'm not going to go through them, but, but, but like that, you, you just, you stay up thinking about it. Can I tell you, nothing can be further from the truth. Many of you are resting because you're staying up and you're counting sheep. And I'm not talking about little Marys that had little lambs. I'm talking about other sheep that hurt you. People that didn't say what they should have said. A, a, a husband that you wish would just communicate or a, or a wife that would understand where you're coming from and you stay up counting people. You're counting other sheep and you're not resting. And, and, and out of all the things he wants to do, he wants to, he wants to bring peace in your relationships. He wants to free you from the bugs and the being frightened. And Why, why, why? So you can lay down and you can rest and get what you really need. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you will have all you need. And he's going to provide the way. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Oh, if you look at him as the big man upstairs or the drill sergeant that's just mad at you, you'll never understand who he really is. But he's a person that will lead you and guide you and will never forsake you. And he will give you what you need when you need it most. He is a good shepherd. And man, I wish I had enough time to dive into the next ones. But let me just give you this. In Genesis 2, in Adam, Adam, Bible says, God says, it's good for man not to be alone. I want him to have a help meet, a help mate. I, wanna, I want him to have somebody that when he looks at her, he says, whoa, man, woman, whoa, man, whoa, man. And so what does God do? God makes Adam rest. And in the middle of his sleep, he provides something beautiful. Come on, spouse, listen to me. You got to stop staying up late trying to figure out how to fix your spouse. You need to rest in the Lord that he's the shepherd. He's the great physician. He's the one that can, can heal the wounds. You lean on God, rest in him, and let God take care of the husband, of the wife. I could tell you about Abraham that in Genesis chapter 15, there's a covenant about to take place between God and Abraham. And God's pro proving himself. And so Abraham has laid out all this bloody sacrifice. He's chopped up into two, this sacrifice. And blood's everywhere. And the whole ritual was this. Abraham was going to walk this way, figure eight, through the blood sacrifice. Meanwhile, God was going to walk through the other way. And it was this whole symbolic thing that like, may this that we're walking through happen to me if I break my promise with you. And so right before Abraham's about ready to step into the mess, the Bible says God put him in a sleep. And God himself, as Abraham is resting, walks through the sacrifice saying, it could never be what you could walk through. It's what I will walk through with you. It's me. I'm going to provide everything. It's not about what you can provide for yourself. And he says, I'm going to get messy and may this happen to me. In fact, it will happen to me because I'm going to have my son die just like this. Be slaughtered as a lamb for you. But you rest. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of the sacrifice. I could take you to Jacob in Genesis 28 where he's feeling isolated and alone and he doesn't know what to do and he's discouraged and he lays his head on a rock and the Bible says the Lord had him sleep and there's an image of a ladder and there's angels and it's this, it's this picture of Jesus coming down to earth and he wakes up and later the scripture says Jacob understood he was not alone. You gotta rest. Look, some of you, you're like Adam. You're, you're, you just can't wait for that spouse. Rest and wait for God's timing. Rest and wait. The, the, the Lord can be your shepherd. You don't 
need Steve right now. Just wait. I could take you to Peter, who was a giant of the faith when he launched the church. But there, there he was, Peter, uh, who, um, as in the book of Acts, you read that, that they were trying to add things to salvation. And you had to be circumcised, and you couldn't eat this, and you couldn't eat Basically, they were trying to make people that were going to follow Jesus become Jews that also follow Jesus. And, and Paul is saying, no, 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 no. He, he, he died for everybody. You don't have to become a Jew and follow Jewish customs to really know Jesus. You just need to know Jesus. That's what you need to do. Can you have a, a respect for, for Jewish customs? Absolutely. Can you go through them? Yeah. But if you think that's what's going to save you, you've missed it. You've missed it. And Peter, he was struggling with this. And he was saying, no, you can't, you, you got to be circumcised and you can't eat this. I mean, like, you can't eat bacon and you got to be circumcised. Like, those are two crazy crazy things but he goes to sleep and he rests and God shows him something it's a big old picnic basket blanket full of food that he would never eat and Peter's like ooh nuh uh and Jesus says don't you call unclean what I call clean eat and he, and he, he shows them the escape of legalism because he rested some of you are trying to earn stuff so hard with God stop trying to earn it finally I could take you to Jesus who as the disciples are bailing water and the rain is pouring down. They're asking, don't you care that we're drowning? Because what is Jesus doing? He is in the boat. What's he, what's he doing? He's asleep. He's resting. He's in the sea. What? And God is just showing us through his own son. I got it, guys. When you're with me, you're covered. It's okay. And he wakes up and he goes, peace be still. And they're just like jaws drop. Like what? Could have done that 10 minutes ago. But he didn't do it 10 minutes ago because he wanted you to know there will be storms. He, he doesn't promise to keep the rain from falling. But he does promise that he'll be with you when the rain pours. It is God's spirit, friends, that led you here today, that led you to these locations. It is God's spirit that has invited you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you close your eyes with me at all locations? Bow your heads. This is business with God. I, I invite you, don't, don't move. Don't, don't move at any location. Our campus pastors are gonna join us up front. Let's just do some, let's just do some inventory here. If you're here today and Jesus isn't your shepherd, he's not feeding you, guiding you, directing you, but it's really you doing these things or something else. You're driven by this or that or the other. If you wanna to surrender to Jesus, it's not about getting everything right. It's about surrendering and starting. So if you're here and you need to surrender to Jesus, you'd simply say it like this in your own words. Jesus, I surrender to you. Be my shepherd. Lead me. Guide me. I, I need you. I cannot fix myself. You're not only a shepherd, you're a savior. You save me from something that I can't save myself from, and that is sin. And sin separates me from you. Sin can lead me astray, but you... You are the light of the world. And so I give my heart to you today and my next steps to you today. 
be my shepherd. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I'm believing now. I, I don't have to go fix it. I don't have to go read Ecclesiastes 4. I, I'm believing, okay, if I say, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are who you say you are, okay, I'm saved and you are in my heart and living water is going to flow out of me now and I, I want that, Jesus. If you're here with heads bowed and eyes closed and you've not been resting the way the shepherd would want you to rest or eating or drinking or preparing and you need you just need to be guided by the shepherd through that if that's you I'm, I'm just going to raise my hand first but if that's you would you raise your hand too yeah yeah I'm with you I'm with you I'm with you Duncan and Dieball I'm with you Nat God, at all our locations, with the hands raised, I pray that we would rest in you. You are faithful. You are good. You have good things prepared. What kind of father, when the child asks for an egg, you give them a scorpion? Well, what kind of father, when you ask for bread, you would give them the stone? In the same way, for those that have asked for you, how much more will you give the Holy Spirit that does comfort and does guide and does lead and does counsel? So we invite you, great shepherd, Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us and help us to what is next. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen.